the harshest of operating conditions. Large-scale investment, planning, and commitment places the offshore sector in a league all on its own, where the stories of people aren't found anywhere else. From safety to operations to new technology, we look to break down this often mystified industry and shed light into the unknown. You're listening to the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast with your host, Andy Lash. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast, where we are making waves in the oil and gas industry. We've got a really fun guest today. We've got James Durbin, the oil field photographer. He is going to be talking about all things photography and media production in the oil and gas sector. And I really look forward to this conversation myself. I hope you guys will all enjoy it as well. James, thank you very much for your time. How are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Love to be on the podcast. Awesome. Yeah, no, this is good. I've been a fan of your work and I know you've been on a couple other podcasts and done interviews before and, and I've found all of those interesting. So I look forward to the discussion. Thank you. My pleasure. Before we get started, of course, I want to go through and make sure everybody understands and knows our, our sponsor. Of course, the show is brought to you by Tidewater. Tidewater owns and operates the largest fleet of offshore support vessels in the industry. With over 60 years of experience supporting offshore energy exploration and production activities worldwide. If you're interested in support for your maritime operations, you can learn more about Tidewater through their website at www.tdw.com. And I would also like my reoccurring request for comments, feedback, and you know anything that you can provide negative or positive either way it helps either helps make the show better or it helps get us out to a wider spectrum and a wider audience so wherever you receive this content if you could leave a comment leave any kind of feedback it is greatly appreciated and maybe on future episodes i'll read some of those comments on the air all right james you're in midland today is that right yes i am awesome awesome have things been going just from like the current covid environment and you know, self-quarantining at home. How's that going for you and your family? Well, I imagine it's like many other folks. Uh, it's been nice to have more time at home. You know, these are things that I'm taking away from this that I'd like to be able to do when the world returns to normal, like uh, slowing down, riding bikes with my kids. And it's really actually been kind of a nice change of pace. But, you know, I'm also ready for things to get back to normal. Yeah, no, I completely understand that. I've actually had that discussion with a lot of people recently, just just thinking through like, you know, like American, you know, grind culture, right? Like if you're not working 50, 60 hours a week, you're not working. And, you know, like just everybody wanting to like work, work, work you know, all the time. And, and I'm really hoping that after this, people are going to like, they're going to miss those afternoon walks that I see them taking every single day right now, you know, like all this other stuff. So, well, especially in the oil and gas business, you know, the idea of a 40 hour work week, only a 40 hour work week is kind of silly. You know, people take pride in, in stacking the hours and, you know, sunrise and sunset. So it really is true that we may be missing some stuff by doing that. Yeah, no, it's, I've always heard it. Oh, your nine to five is funny. I've got a sun up to a sundown. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what the new normal becomes as we mm. move through all this. So, Well, James, why don't we just start a little bit about yourself? Of course, you are the oil field photographer. You can follow up with you on Instagram or, or theoilfieldphotographer.com and, and see all your work. But 
Yeah. How did you become who you are today, I guess? Well, my background's in newspaper photojournalism. So I worked for newspapers across the country for several years. And that's what I went to college for, you know, was for photojournalism. So the idea of sort of embedding myself in a situation and really trying to tell that story is, is what I've been practicing and honing for, for years. And it's brought me amazing opportunities. And it actually, of all places, took me to Midland, Texas, where I was fascinated with oil and gas that I knew nothing about at all. And companies were calling to come do shoots for them. And at the time, I worked for the newspaper in that area. And I just kept learning more and more about the industry and getting better and better access through these companies. And, you know, I came to a crossroads where I just decided to go into it full time. There really wasn't that many people doing it. There are people that do this, but it's a limited selection. And so I really saw an opportunity to jump in and and utilize that access and storytelling ability to benefit my oil and gas customers who need to share what it is that they do, why their equipment or practices are better, and just be that sort of storytelling tool for them. Awesome. For a degree in photojournalism, like how much of that degree is is focused on like just technical aspects of taking a good photo or or how much of it is more just how to build that story and capture it? That's a great question. I'd say that it could be perhaps more weighted towards how to actually tell the story in a truthful and ethical manner and slightly less on the technical side because you're taught how to you know use the equipment but the equipment is constantly sort of changing and it's also so much of a personal preference like i think you could do great storytelling using an iphone if that's what you had so i mean you're always going to have people that either maybe have the newest stuff and are unable to use it or someone who has maybe a more limited tool but is just really able to do a good job with it. So I think the technical aspect was actually secondary to learning how to do the job well in an honorable fashion. Yeah, no, I think that says a lot about it. And people don't realize how much that is, you know, I mean, I try to dabble in photography myself. And, you know, I think a lot of people do nowadays with social media the way it is, you know, everybody's taking photos and posting all over it. It's easy to forget about what really captures an accurate, accurate story, which sounds like you're doing and doing for the oil field, which is awesome. Yeah. You know, even when I was in school, there was a term that was thrown around and it was called visual pollution. And we were taught to not, you know, not produce visual pollution or visuals for the sake of just doing something. And I think that was well before a lot of the social media has gotten to where it is or Instagram you know, which I actually really enjoy Instagram. But, you know, when I'm talking about social media platforms that are so visual driven, you actually are can be inundated with what I would call visual pollution. Oh, yeah. I like the name of that. That rings a lot of bells for me. I want to get back to that. And I think it ties into some of the questions a little bit later on that I've kind of got lined up. But you touched on it a little bit. And I, I was on your website. I see some of your customer reviews. You know, everybody says, you know the business, you know what's going on, you're comfortable out there. But I also know from some previous podcasts that you never worked in oil and gas, right? So how did you help bridge those gaps and really learn an industry that it's not really open to the outside world too much? Yeah, great question. And to be 100% honest, I learn something new every time I go out. I still don't know 
you know, nearly as much, of course, as, as what a lot of these company owners do know. But what I get to learn every time I go out is what sets them apart from their competitors or, or what is the reason for me, you know, being out there on this location? What is the new piece of tech? What is the practice that's, you know, being done to make something safer? I mean, I'm sort of on the cutting edge seeing what the new technology may be. And so I actually begin to learn about it maybe before I even learned about what the old way was. So my historical knowledge of oil and gas is probably very limited, but I've been able to learn quite a bit in recent years just from asking a lot of questions, from really learning from my customers what it is they're doing that sets their products apart. And every time I go out, I just learn something new and I keep asking questions. And, you know, it's just I think people appreciate when you don't act like you already know everything. And they're way more willing to kind of give you some insight into it. They sort of are welcome to to teaching you at the same time. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I find myself in kind of that similar position just on this podcast, right? I'm doing a podcast about the offshore oil and gas sector, and I've never been offshore, right? And I'm open about that. So I ask maybe some dumb questions sometimes, or, you know, I'll, I don't have always the perfect perspective. But that opens up different discussions that might not have happened. And that, that's beneficial to Everybody, really. You know, I mean, it kind of evolves from there, which is always fun. Yeah. With you learning the industry and, you know, kind of working through things, I know you said, you know, historical knowledge on oil and gas production might not be the best, but what about just historical understanding of photography in oil and gas? I mean, do you have competitors really? Or, and how has the industry handled, you know, production of this kind of media? over the years? Sure. So I definitely feel like there is some competition, but I feel like there's not a lot of us doing this. And traditionally, the way a lot of companies have done this is to find a photographer that may be in the area that they have their equipment and just sort of babysit that person while they're on location. They probably don't have, you know, maybe the right equipment or training. And it's a little bit of a liability. I mean, even when I'm out there and I'm the oil field photographer, I am a liability. Every extra set of feet and hands, you know, is a risk. So it's all about risk mitigation. And I think that as companies have found out that there is somebody that does specialize in this, they've been more eager to use me and, and my company and not have to fly somebody in or worry as much about someone who doesn't know perhaps what the equipment even is that they're looking for, or also doesn't know maybe certain things that don't need to be in the photos that could possibly detract from the message that you're trying to send. So I'm definitely not the first, and I probably won't be the last, but I think that the pool of talent to choose from is smaller, and I think there's plenty of work to go around. And so, you know, it's just a niche that that I've managed to kind of fall into. Yeah. Well, and you touched on an interesting point there, which is knowing just as much what should be in the shot as what should not be in the shot, right? And that understanding is huge for the final product and how usable that is. There's got to be a learning curve for that. Have you put out some photos that you just either like, nope, can't use that one, can't use that one, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was a learning curve and, and I got a lot of that learning curve done, I think, actually, while I was still sort of in the newspaper world, you know, just from 
getting feedback on the way images were appearing, you know, from the companies that had had me out. And then, you know, maybe a shot that I thought was great, I hear later, well, I got in trouble for that, you know, and it's like, okay, I want to be a positive person out there for you. If I'm there helping you market your products, my goal is to produce 100% content that you can use. It's of no use to you if you can't use something. And so I'm not beyond stopping a shoot and telling, you know, somebody that they need to readjust the way they're wearing some PPE or that they need to clean up something. In fact, I mean, I do that often because it not only helps the product, but we are all responsible for safety out on locations. And that's something that I've learned in some of the safety training courses that I've done for onshore work. And it's no longer just about the shoot. It's about making sure that that we all do a good job and we all go home and just be safe. Yeah, it wouldn't be hard for somebody that doesn't know the industry, you know, have a photographer like, oh, your safety glasses are just too, there's too much glare. Let's just take those off so I can oh, yeah. see your eyes, that, you know? That's what happens when you bring out a photographer who maybe has a different background. You know, I mean, that is exactly why this niche that I've found, you know, exists is just because I worked with so many companies that had done different shoots that hadn't worked out. You know, this is all a learning curve for companies too. So they need this material, but they also have to find a way to get it that isn't going to harm their reputation or maybe cause a problem for their customers, you know, because what many of my customers have equipment on a location, for example. Well, as you know, there's probably 10 or 12 other companies that have equipment on that same location. That location may not even be owned or operated by the company that I'm doing work for. So you have to have full cooperation from so many entities that the best way to get that is to make sure that they have a little bit of trust in your abilities and that this won't come back and bite them, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Have you been to a job site to shoot and you just you just can't? Like you can't shoot and actually maintain those safety standards that you have for yourself? I've been on some locations where... I have been in compliance, but where I have seen some flagrant issues and I've had to either stop, send people out to go get PPE or just certain areas of the location that we cannot shoot. I mean, I was at one location and there was a building that had recently burned, you know, that wasn't necessarily a safety violation, but it was part of their facility that needed to be not shown in the photos. You know, they hadn't dealt with that yet. And so it was a challenge to make sure that what their expectation of my abilities was lined up because, you know, I can't beautify something that's like a burned out shell of, of a building. And, you know, another example is people on location who may be there for an executive tour, say we do a lot of executive tours on locations. And, you know, when you have a group of like 10 people who maybe are in, management positions at a company, but maybe haven't spent a lot of time in the oil field and you've got people showing up in, you know, flip flops or maybe some high heels or something, you know, there's just all manner of issues that need to be sort of dealt with. And, and also having an understanding of how that company cares to portray itself is part of my job. So, I mean, there's been many times where I've had to fish a spare hard, hard hat out of my vehicle for somebody else you know, or we talk about where these photos may or may not be used so that people understand how the image may look to others. So 
Yeah, I mean, it happens often. And I think anybody that's ever been a safety, you know, around a safety person on a location can probably say that it wouldn't take long for somebody to go out and find something that needs to be altered a little bit and, and, and cleaned up or changed. And so I try and act as another set of eyes and ears to assist with that rather than be another one who could possibly be a be a violator. And that's a huge value add on top of just having the media production that, that they're going to get, right? So, I mean, you're kind of an honest intermediary. You're protecting yourself, but in turn, you're you're double checking all those field representatives as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, sometimes I get tired of talking about safety and I feel like, you know, everybody's got all the various jokes about the safety man and stuff. But, and I've given, been, had plenty of trouble from safety guys about access to locations. You, you know, even when I've got all the companies that want me to do it and somebody just wants to exercise some power. So, hey, I see it both ways and I hear it both ways. But, you know, I need to be able to produce content that is 100% usable by this company or else I have no business being there. And so, you know, if something's not right, it's that material is not going to be usable, you know, in a way that makes everybody look, look good. So we all have to police each other, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and that, that kind of leads me to one of my next question, which it's maybe a little, a little technical or a little photo photography nerdish of myself, but what about the equipment that you have to use to actually take these photos? I know I'm just snooping Instagram. I know you shoot Canon, but do you have to worry about the flammability, the class one div ones, the H2? You know, like how does that affect just your camera equipment, let alone, you know, your personal PPE? Right. So there's a couple of different things going on there. I mean, one is like a durability standpoint, just what we put equipment through out on these locations. So the equipment needs to be just physically sort of built right and tough. And I would say, any of the modern camera manufacturers that are producing professional level camera bodies are up to this ability. The second would be things like intrinsically safe environment, you know, where you're supposed to have equipment that's intrinsically safe, meaning you can't have any kind of sparking hazard. And, and my cameras are not intrinsically safe. And so we do work in environments sometimes like gas plants or, or things where what they'll just do is draw up a JSA and we'll go over what could possibly happen and, and they'll monitor the situation before, during and after, you know, with, with monitors and in much the same way that like a, any other non-intrinsically safe electronic device would be the procedures you would use for that. And so it's generally easy to work through that. There's steps, you know, paperwork to make sure that all of those procedures are followed and, and we just continue as normal. And then as far as just harsh environments and, and stuff, like to go back to the durability talk, I mean, there's stuff, they get banged into things, they fall off truck beds. I mean, I have a great repair service relationship with Canon USA, and it's all of the modern professional camera manufacturers do have professional repair services for those of us that have a significant amount of equipment, and repairs are usually done expedited, and it's been fine. You know, I will say there's been some times where we've tried to do some new things, like for example, we did a five month long time lapse of a sand plant being constructed and we mounted oh, wow. cameras on 25 foot poles in the desert. And I purchased, you know, new cameras designed specifically for something like this or so the manufacturer said. And I tried to explain to them just exactly what I was planning to do to ensure that these would be up to snuff. And I'll tell you what, Five months of sand flying around and thunderstorms and lightning and all this stuff, even in the in the weather sealed 
containers, they were not quite up to par. We we were able to get we were able to get the footage out and stuff, but they were no longer usable after that. So we're definitely asking a lot of the equipment, but everybody's asking a lot of the equipment out in the oil field, you know, and, and so you just have to get stuff that's built for it. Yeah, absolutely. So did you get the full five month time lapse or did the camera cut out early? We did get it. We did. It's just the cameras themselves did become environmentally damaged. And so basically the data had to be extracted off the cards in a manner that more or less destroyed the cameras to take them apart, you know, to take them apart and get the data out. Yeah, that would have been super bummer if you like spent five months and then finally go check in the camera. <laughs> you well, I mean, I had out know, out plans in place. I was pulling data. I was getting on a man lift and pulling data out of them, uh, you know, once a month and monitoring them. But, you know, towards the end, I could tell they were they were on their last legs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that that's cool. I maybe like to see that shot at some point. With all this, I mean, you've touched on like, you know, okay, and I, I don't want to talk all safety, but there's a lot of courses and credentials and a lot of different things that you have to hold to really access a lot of these sites. And I know you have those like, you know, safe land and rig pass and, you know, the OSHA classes and all that. Did you come through that just through, you know, you do a pre-job discussion with your customer and they say, we need X and then you have to go and do that? Or how did you kind of check all the boxes on that before really getting in the industry? For many years, I was able to do this work without any of that. And I, and I gained a lot of the safety knowledge just hands-on from having safety meetings before I set foot on a location. And you know, a lot of it is, is actually just common sense. But what I went ahead and did about a year ago was go ahead and you know sit in on the classes sign up just like anybody who's new to to an oil and gas job would and do the coursework and the tests and and just that way I could hold those certifications and I can almost use that as an advertisement for you know that I'm serious this is what I do I can notify you know potential customers of that it almost sets them at ease immediately like if they may be reaching out to two or three photographers you know it definitely helps to differentiate me from others who may not be you know, exactly in the commercial or industry oil and gas photography realm. Sure. I mean, it stood out to me. Uh, it stood out enough to me to ask the question. And I think it certainly does give you the backstory on really framing pictures correctly with, like we talked about, what should and shouldn't be in the shot and, you know, keeps you safe. And yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Awesome move and a good thing to hold there. Thinking through just some of the other work that you do, I know you started kind of a, a new project recently where you're doing family photos on their front porch, right? Yeah. <laughs> How did that start? And tell us a little bit about that whole program or, you know. Yeah. So it was totally a change of pace. I mean, I do not typically do family portraiture. However, my background in the newspaper business basically made me a bit of a jack of all trades. I mean, I've done plenty of portraits and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So it wasn't hard to get into. The design of the program, though, is to raise money for oil field helping hands. And the program is called Front Porch Permian. Right now, we are doing it just in the Permian Basin. And, and it came from the quarantine, COVID-19 kind of social distancing thing, as well as the crash in oil prices. So the double whammy that hit the Permian Basin and basically left a ton of families just stuck at home either because they're out of work or laid off or maybe working less hours or, or maybe just, you know, one of the parents may be at home with the kids and 
So what it is, is it's a, it's something for them to get dressed up, you know, have fun, get a photo taken of them when they're maybe all home together, which might not happen as often as it is right now due to this virus and oil downturn. And it's totally free to them. They are free to make a donation to Oilfield Helping Hands, either directly through their website or to me. And I'm donating 100% back to OHH. We also had some companies that we presented this idea to, and they said, yes, we want to be sponsors of this. We're going to give some money. And so those company logos are actually on the photos as well. So the companies get exposure and they also will always be remembered as the companies that sort of stepped up to cover the cost of this campaign and make sure those photos are free to the families. And those families will always be able to look at their family picture and know who supported them during tough times. And so we had West Texas National Bank step up. We had Ally Outdoors, which is the largest interior gun range in the state of Texas, stepped up. And we had a local realtor, Claire Heck, with Real Estate One. She donated some money to do that. And Oil Country Media also has been promoting it for us totally for free. And we had a SHK advertising firm do all the marketing material to help promote it. Nice. Yeah. I've seen it on my social media and seen it on LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. So I think it's a really cool program. I'm glad you guys are doing that. Well, you know, I was sitting at home and I really wanted to have something to do. And we, me and my wife were thinking about things that people might want or need during this time. And you know, the idea just sort of developed and Oilfield Helping Hands said, yeah, let's let's give it a shot. And so we've raised a few thousand bucks so far and it's still going strong. So we'll see where we end up. Wonderful. How would somebody go about lining you up to take their family photo? All you got to do is email me, james at the oilfieldphotographer.com. You can get on the OHH website. There's a special page they made just for the Front Porch Permian campaign. You know, I'm scheduling them out about a week or so after you email me. I try and stack up like several families all in one day. So it's not immediate. You know, if you call me, I'm, I won't be at your house like that night. But we are getting everybody that responds, you know, to our email messages and sets, you know, participates in trying to set a schedule is getting photographed. So cool. Yeah. Again, that very fun program that you guys are doing. So that's awesome. Given that, and I guess just a general thought on, social media today, you've got to have an interesting perspective on how the public perceives the industry and you know the kind of feedback that you do get because of your main topic. You know, I mean, how are you seeing the general public respond to your photos and, and media that you produce? When you say the general public, do you mean people who are not like plugged in with oil and gas at all? Yeah, I think everybody in the industry, of course, is very positive on your work. I think I hear you're proud of the work. You're proud of the industry. Of course, most of the listeners on this show would probably be much the same. But, you know, we all have to be aware of kind of that the negative presence that we have it and to do better about it. Right. So I guess it's kind of like a, a secondary thought of how do we continue to improve that public, pers- you know, appearance and and some of that through social media. Got it. Right. So what I do is I humanize this industry. When I am photographing, I mean, I am looking for people doing things, okay? Not just equipment, not just a pump jack with a sunset behind it. I mean, I am highlighting what makes this industry go around, and that is people, workers, working together, doing hard work. Why is it important? It's because so many things in this country depend on the oil and gas industry. 
you know, the list of byproducts alone, that's not just gasoline, okay, is a mile long. You know this, and anybody listening to this podcast knows this, but I think if my photography or, or multimedia can at least put faces to what this industry is, maybe people will delve a little deeper into it. And I'm not trying to change opinions or get political. I mean, I am simply telling a story of an industry that is, you know, controversial, right? And so if I have such great access, I have a duty to sort of share this, you know? And I think people who maybe aren't connected to oil and gas may appreciate like my Instagram page, for example, just because it's a it's an industry, an up close perspective of an industry that they don't get to see. So that's super interesting. I mean, just like anybody that might specialize in in something, I, I follow a ton of different photographers from families to weddings. You know, I, I follow a wedding photographer in Australia just because I like his style. You know, and so anything that gives you some insight into something that you may not otherwise, you know, get to see so much. I, I think it can be beneficial. And I think that's why companies like to bring me on board is because I do want to really highlight what it is that they do different. And I really want to highlight their employees who are doing this job, who they're so proud of. Absolutely. No, I agree. I agree with all that. That's well said and a great driver for you and a perspective to have. So that's, that's awesome. Where do you see your business going right now with current oil field markets and you know, kind of the state of the industry right now? Well, things are slow at the moment, but I have some longer term projects that I've still been working on for customers. My customer base is pretty wide, even though I do operate under the name, the oil field photographer. We also do a lot of pro tourism related work for city and local government entities. And, you know, my net is casted, I guess, as, as wide as I can when it comes to commercial photography. So we're still staying busy because there's customers that want to actually have this new normal that we're operating under kind of documented for historical purposes or to highlight businesses that are operating under modified practices such as curbside or delivery, you know, type things. So, you know, there's things that still need to be done. As far as marketing budgets for oil and gas customers, they're probably a little thin at the moment, but technology doesn't stop changing methods, you know, of production are still more or less continuing, although possibly slowly. (laughs) Yeah, I think we're kind of in the same boat as a lot of our customers. I mean, we're just we're sort of hanging back, enjoying family time, planning for the future. And I think that there's still plenty of need for what for what I bring. Yeah, maybe not related with the current environment, but just in general, do you see growing pressure against professional photography just because everybody thinks that they are photographer now with the social media age? Well, you know, competition and in, in just the sense of visual production alone is as fierce as it's ever been, especially coming from the newspaper business where I was operating for so long. There's never a guarantee that there won't be somebody else that comes along wanting to do it for cheaper or for free. But ultimately, the best rises to the top And, you know, I think that my customers value that I'm a professional in this industry over perhaps somebody who says, yeah, I'd like to go be on an oil rig. You know, I mean, in some ways that sort of screams liability to me at the same time too. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there's always going to be plenty of people taking photos. I can't do it all and I don't want to do it all, you know? So I think it's got to be probably harder for some folks maybe who are trying to make a name in the like wedding type industry or something like that. I, I think there's a lot of competition. I do think that more and more people are able to have a day job and then be like a photographer on the side. And really, you know, I think if, if someone is charging what they're worth and producing something that has value and doing it in an ethical manner, you know, they're adding to the overall quality of visual production. But, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate when sometimes people do want to just do something, they want to devalue it by doing it for free, maybe because they are unsure of their own abilities. But I mean, visual production has value. And it is a bit of a tough time right now because it is so cheap to just produce something online, you know, and just put it out there. But I think people recognize quality, you know, and people know that you have to pay for quality. Because, you know, someone who wants to do it for cheap or free may not be able to guarantee their results. Yeah. And you can lose miscapturing that critical moment that you spent all that work to build and shoot after. And now you miss it because exactly. the photographer wasn't up to snuff. Right. Well, I mean, you know, most people don't take a chance on a free photographer for their wedding, for example. Unless, of course, it's a, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of instances, you know, doing it on the, on the cheap or letting a friend, you know, shoot some photos. I'm speaking very generally, but, sure. you know, in a moment that happens once in a lifetime, you kind of want to make sure you got a guarantee of quality. And I think the oil field plays on, on similar terms. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes a lot of sense. Of course, this show is the oil and gas offshore show. Everything we've talked about, I think, still makes a lot of good connections on just who you are and how you fit in the industry. And offshore sector would benefit just the same way. But have you done any work offshore yet? And do you see some on the future, hopefully? Well, so far, I have not. I'm eager to be on this podcast because I do see that being a direction that we're moving. I do see that being, at some point, a set of certifications I'm going to have to pick up. You know, my business being based in the Permian Basin has kept me super busy in this landlocked area where we have an ocean of oil under the ground, but really no water. And so that has made me valuable to a lot of my customers who may do offshore stuff, but they need their onshore, their Permian Basin assets documented. And so I see us growing that way. We do work in Dallas and Houston, you know, major metros, but just not as much. And I also do think there is sort of a photographer pool there that may be larger than, than here. But as I said, I mean, there's very few probably industry specific commercial photographers. And so I see that being a direction that we will need to go and I'm ready to do it. And I'm looking forward to continuing our nonprofit involvement, golf tournaments, clay shoots, oil field helping hands, all the conferences. You know, we do a lot of that out here. And so that's the direction that I plan to expand that way too. I mean, if I got to travel a little more and just keep building my name that way, then that's, that's what I want to do because truly I take pride in being the oil field photographer and I want to be able to serve more companies and more branches of the industry, you know, from offshore to midstream or refining. And, and so it's a natural direction. I've been, I've been really comfortable in the Permian, but there's so, so much that happens outside of here. Yeah. Hopefully that comes together. I mean, I want to get offshore myself. So I think it's much like the intro to this show says, it's kind of a mystified piece. You can't just drive by one of those rigs like you can an onshore well. And 
it's just it's out of reach to the public and there's a lot there that i think needs to be told you know specifically through your kind of format so that would be awesome well i mean like i said before the benefit of what i do is is helping companies sort of humanize or really in-depth document what's going on and and you have so many people that are outspoken about oil and gas and probably have never witnessed any of it firsthand and so there are customers of mine that hire me to shoot their projects so that they can use those photos specifically to answer groups that may be trying to combat their projects and have never even seen those projects. And so the photo is so powerful. You know, everyone knows the phrase, it's worth a thousand words, you know, to show, for example, that this pipeline project, when it's completed, you know, you can't even tell it was ever there. And I think that the offshore world could benefit from that as well in in visually showing, you know, what the impact is or what the practices are or just what it's like. And, you know, that these are real people doing a real job, trying to do it in as safe a manner as possible and with as less impact as possible. And I think that that holds true onshore, offshore, really in, in almost any industry. Yeah, I was thinking too. I was like, have you photographed any wind farms yet? Windmill farms or solar panel installations yet? I have both. Yeah, I've done the solar farms that are popping up for customers. Actually, I mean, some of my oil and gas customers are building solar farms to power some of their assets. And then the wind turbines, I've had a chance to photograph those actually being built. It's really crazy. They hang that blade all in one piece with two massive cranes and it's cool to see it up close. So yeah, I've had many awesome opportunities, you know, from the oil and gas industry perspective, as well as just numerous other things from being plugged in. I mean, last year I got to shoot the NCAA final four from the floor, you know, which was, which was super cool. So unfortunately there wasn't one this year. So, I mean, (laughs) my background is definitely diverse and, you know, I feel like when you specialize in certain things, people will say, Hey, why don't you give this a shot? You know, cause we know what you can do. So, you know, it's just been fun. It's a fun ride. Yeah. Well, this has been a very fun discussion. I I really enjoyed it. I hope the listeners have enjoyed it. Is there anything that you kind of want to just get out to the audience that we maybe haven't touched on or or skipped over today? Well, I think I would just want to talk about maybe the sense of pride that I see in people who work in this business and the fascination I have with documenting oil and gas. It's just such a monster industry with so many different angles and perspectives. I almost just feel like I could spend a lifetime sort of and never see the same exact thing. So it's just been so fun to do this and have this access and to come from not knowing anything about it to having, you know, front row access to some things that aren't even out yet, you know, to help companies unveil their brand new, new products. I think that that's just probably my favorite aspect of doing this job is really seeing it up close, seeing the industry up close when so many people are forced to form their opinions about it from a distance. And so I think the best thing anybody could do anywhere in the country is see up close a drilling rig or some kind of oil and gas activity with their own eyes. It's an eye-opening experience and nobody is removed from it. Everybody puts gas in their car, even if it's a hybrid or if it's an electric you know, those batteries and those materials all came from somewhere. I mean, you cannot escape it. And so I just think that it's so awesome to be able to try and bring some of that to people's screens up close for them to form their own opinions from. Yeah, I think you're doing a fantastic job of that. You're putting out 
awesome work and really telling the story, whether it's the, you know, just doing that for a customer or just portraying the industry in, in the best light possible. That's also accurate, right? We don't, we certainly don't want, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that visual pollution. You could make a lot of photos that look fancy, but just aren't accurate. So that's great. That's great. That's a good perspective and a good way to look at it. Well, awesome. I've really enjoyed it. It was great getting to know you and great talking to you today. And I hope things start picking up for everybody. I hope things, you know, keep moving in the right direction. I'm sure they will. And I'm sure they will. Awesome. I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, I mean, just from researching the history and living through, you know, a slight downturn like we had in 2014 and stuff. I mean, especially being in the Permian, you know, it fascinates me that this area has actually been completely written off before you know, that there would be never anything again, not that long ago. And then, you know, look at what happened in the last few years. And so it just goes to show you, we really have no idea. We can conjecture all we want, but I think we all, if we're in oil and gas, we've all kind of signed on for this wild ride and maybe secretly inside, enjoy it. Of course, we can't have the ups without the downs, but it's sort of this wild ride that we all agree to go on together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is exciting to say the least <laughs> in good times and bad times. <laughs> Very little middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, James, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for talking to me and just sharing you know, your thoughts and story with the audience. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Maybe we'll be getting dunked in a helicopter turned over upside down soon to get our certifications and we'll be offshore sometime. Yeah, yeah. I interview a Hewitt training facility in Houston as one of my, it's like the first, I think it's the very first episode of this podcast. Fantastic school there in Houston on the north side and they'll get you all trained up if and when you need it, you know? Yeah, great. Awesome. So everybody listening, thank you for checking out the show. I hope you enjoyed everything we talked about. And of course, leave us a review, a comment, any kind of feedback is greatly appreciated. All right. Have a good day and we will see you on the next one. Here are the events on deck. Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on, but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another episode of the Oil & Gas Offshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasoffshore.com.